Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast, and thank you to our listeners across America and around the world. Oh, and by the way, now we are heard in 22 countries around the world. Now, in the public relations business, messaging is vitally important. So, what is a message? What are you going to say? And who are you talking to? Now, these questions and much more are involved in developing your message. My guest today will help you address some of those concerns. Sherry Singer is president of Singer Communications in Arlington, Virginia, which is just across the river from Washington, D.C. She started her career working for national associations. Later, she became a senior executive with a top PR firm such as Ketchum Public Relations, but now has owned her own firm for 18 years. Sherry is the immediate past national committee chair with the American Society of Association Executives, and she spent five years on the board of directors for the Public Relations Society's National Capital Capital Chapter, and she was a founding member and past chair of the District of Columbia's Independent Public Relations Alliance. So, Sherry, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Peter. It's so great to be with you. I hope you're having better weather than we're having in Washington, D.C. today. <laughs> well, it, uh, it changes by the hour, so I'll just go with what we have right now. It's just a little cloudy down here but and, and rather chilly. <laughs> that sounds good. So now that we realize that we need to develop a message, let's first ask the question, what is a message? So that's a really good question and a great way to start, Peter. The definition of a message is that it's a significant point or a central theme. It truly defines who your organization is, and it serves as the foundation of your brand. When I use the word brand, I see people immediately picturing a logo or a color scheme or placement on the page. But branding is really the full spectrum of who your organization is. It's really your organization's personality, and it starts with your organization's messaging. Well, I think you might also want to add to that when you talk about branding and so forth. I mean, it's basically everything you do and say, you being the organization, everything you do and say, and also how you go about doing it and saying it. Absolutely. 100% correct. Well, once the organization decides that they need to get their act together and develop a message, exactly how do you suggest that they start with that? Well, I think the easiest way to start is if your organization has a mission statement or you might have a list of some core values, take that information and create like a key sentence about your organization. Ask yourself once you've written that one sentence, does this tell a story? Is it real and genuine? Um, What do you do if you don't have a mission statement or some core values? Well, one thing I tell my clients to start with is the paragraph at the end of a standard news release. So you know that paragraph that says XYZ organization was founded in 1969 Mm -hmm. and we represent, you know, 12,000 members in the case of an association or we have customers across the globe. Start with that paragraph and then edit it down so in the end it carries the essence of who you are. You know, one of the things I think that might also help is that not only is that sort of your organizational message, 
but depending upon what it is your organization or company does, you also might want to say that their messages might also be needed for different projects or in events or activities if it uh, gets to that scale. Yeah, I think that's a really um, great point, Peter. Um, and I want to put that on pause for just a second so I can talk first about the five-step process of creating messaging. And I will preface, by, preface this by saying that this is sort of the official five-step process. I know there are some organizations or small businesses out there that don't really have the budgets to do this fi- these five steps. But I wanted to share it with your listeners anyway And there are ways to do this so that you can cut costs and you can do every step. So let's talk about the five steps for just a minute. The first step is to define your issues through qualitative research. And sometimes this research is done by a big research company. If some of your listeners are with a big corporation, certainly they would, you know, hire an outside market research firm to do this kind of research. But if you have a small business or whatever, you may want to define your issues through a couple of conversations with some of your customers, or in the case of an association, it would be with some of your members, and then develop some initial message concepts. That was when I just talked about how to start with that paragraph at the end of your standard news release or start with your mission or your core values. And then step three would be to assess the message concepts. So in other words, you want to go back to some of the people that you talked to initially and you want to ask them what they think of these messages. And then based on their input, step four, you fine tune your messages. And then step five would be to validate those messages, to go out to a larger audience. And if you talk to a couple people on your board of directors or a couple key staff people, maybe you include another 50 people that you could go out to, with even using something simple like SurveyMonkey and just saying, you know, here are three messages, you know, do you like them or don't you like them or ask them to rate them on a scale of one to five. And that's the official five-step process. I think also getting back to what you had just mentioned, there are key messages and sub-messages. So I want to talk a little bit about the difference between the two, but I think you might have had another question for me, Peter. Well, it's just that, uh, as you said, in terms of doing some of this research and reaching out, uh, one of the, uh, in terms of defining reaching out to whom, I said the audiences that you want to reach, you know, sample that audience since uh, that the message is geared to them. You want to make sure they're receptive to it. So certainly want to sample the people in that particular audience. I think that's a really good point. And don't forget, um, if you can, if you have the resources to do so, don't forget that outer layer of stakeholders. So for a corporation, that might be people in related industries. It might be staff members in Congress or your state legislature. It might be members of the media. Anybody that touches your corporate corporation or your product should be in that outer circle of stakeholders. It doesn't necessarily have to be all internal. Mm-hmm. The same applies for associations. It might be related associations or it might be people that are leaders or influencers just outside of your industry or inside your industry but aren't necessarily members. Well, I think those are important points. Now, in addition to that, what other questions should your message be able to respond to? Well, I think when we talk about the message being the personality, you know, each of us has a personality. Mine's a little on the extroverted side, as you might be able to tell. And um, when we ask these questions, we want to ask them to get to the essence of those key messages. 
So those questions might be, why do you exist? Who are you? What do you do? What are you saying? How are you saying it? Who are you talking to, which is a point that Peter mentioned just before. And then what's in it for me? Why should the people receiving this message care about it? And if you answer those questions, you should wind up with a few strong key messages. Mm -hmm. Now, can you talk about uh, other types of um, uh, other types of messages that uh, people might be wanting to uh, develop? Well, thanks a lot for that question, Peter, and thanks for bringing up you know their key messages and other types of messages. And you mentioned before that they were geared to events. So in the key messages, those are your broad-based overarching messages that represent your brand. They communicate your values. They discuss your differentials, what separates you from your competitors, and they're relevant to your stakeholders, which is what we just talked about, your target audience and other stakeholders. These are the messages that you can bridge back to no matter what the question is. And we're coming up into the 2020 election, and we see politicians bridge back to their main messages all the time. Any Mm -hmm. town hall, any interview that you watch, be it local or national, you'll see politicians use this bridge back method so effectively. So I encourage you, if you're trying to develop messaging, to watch some of those debates to see how effective they are in doing that. They'll literally say to the newscaster, well, Bob or Sue, that was a great question. But the critical point here is, and then they bridge back to a main message that may or may not be related to the question that the reporter asks. These messages describe in very general terms who you are. They're umbrella messages. An example might be since 19... 55, ABC has represented 25,000 professional accountants who provide financial tips to more than, or financial help to more than 50 million Americans. That's a very broad message. Then there are sub-messages, those that deal with specific activities, products, services, events, and a sub-messaging message from that professional accountant organization might be something like, with financial experts discussing the most pressing issues of 2019, 20,000 accountants from all over the country will be meeting in Nashville January 20th to the 23rd in 2020. So that's a more specific event-oriented message. Mm -hmm. And you can see how the umbrella messages are about your organization. They encompass your personality, who you are, why you exist where the sub-messages deal with the smaller aspects of your organization. Let me get back because one of the things when you did mention, um, you know, talking to and dealing with uh, reporters, uh, you've got to be careful there because <clears throat> when being asked a question by reporters, you basically should have two goals. That is to hopefully answer the reporter's question as best you can within the limitations you have and also getting your other message out. So you don't have to be confined to say only exactly or respond only to what they're asking you to respond to. But as you said, they have to develop the skill to circle back to certain things that they want to have said as well. I think that's such a great point, Peter. And I'll tell this really short story. I was training some attorneys on messaging, and they were kind of in a crisis situation. And they said to me, what happens if we set the boundaries around what we can answer and what we can answer from a reporter, but they consistently go back to the questions that we've already told them we can't talk about because of legal privacy issues? 
and some, in some cases, HIPAA laws, which is healthcare laws that they can't release information about patients. And, um, and I said to these uh, lawyers, well, you end the interview. And they were like, Sherry, we can end the interview? And I was like, yes. I mean, do it politely. You know, say, gee, Bob or Sue, you know, I, I've talked a couple of times about the boundaries of this interview. And you've mentioned three times this question, which I've very politely said I can't answer. And I'm going to end the interview here. If there are other questions that you have for me, feel free to give, you know, let's arrange another call later down the road or send them to me by email. So um, I think that's a great point, Peter. Um, and it does take a little bit of talent and practice to be able to bridge back to those main messages. Well, um, can we maybe maybe shift the priorities for a second and talk about training? Because any and everybody is, should not necessarily be delivering the speech because there's some people who are not good at it or uncomfortable with it. How do you go about selecting who those people are that should be, let's say, your messenger? And there could be a wide range of them. Right. And I um, always counsel my clients not to just rely on the obvious suspects. So don't just look at your chairman of the board to be your main spokesperson. There may be other people on the board or even other uh, people in the C-suite that could um, – be really great spokespeople. And if you don't reach out to them and train them and give them the messaging, they're not going to be great spokespeople. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to look a little bit past your traditional leaders um, to be able to get the best people to deliver these messages. And what you want as an organization is the best people to deliver the messages. You want people that come across as real and authentic and warm and caring. I don't care if, you know, you're the largest corporation in the world. You still need to come across with these messages as being very true and genuine and warm and caring. It's super important that um, anyone listening to this do that. And then once I usually ask the leaders, like people on the board, um, who they think might be good spokespeople, mm -hmm. because I think peer-to-peer, -peer, that's a good way to identify who might be a good spokesperson for your organization. You know, so I, I think that's important, as you said, peer-to-peer. -peer. So spokespeople can come from the different ranks within the organization, and it does not always have to be top-down. Uh, you can have some line-level managers who can be spokespeople because sometimes when people who are in the same group hear from somebody in that group, it's much more acceptable than just being always top down, you know, to, to the masses, so to speak. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think you, once you have your messaging document and it's been approved by everybody who needs to see it, and it's usually a lot of people, um, I think it's really important to train those spokespeople on how to deliver the messaging um, I typically hold this training several times a year for my clients, and I do it by phone because holding the training by phone, you know, doing a webinar, cuts the cost dramatically and allows key people to be trained. And then after I've trained the, the selected spokespeople, I then offer a webinar to all the stakeholders who want to listen to it. A lot of my, um, my clients are associations, so I offer a webinar to all the members of the organization as a benefit of membership. And again, this can be done by phone to make it really cost-effective. And then I call the trained members um, brand ambassadors, 
or ambassadors for short, because they really help you define and build awareness of your brand. And I will add one caveat here. Don't forget to train the staff. Um, while most executives focus on their board of directors and maybe the committee chairs and associations that might be the chapter presidents or other leaders, one of the most important but often left out audience is the staff. And it's so critical that you train your staff because they often serve as brand ambassadors for your organization. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in terms of training, I, you know, I had not heard people giving that sort of training by way of webinars, uh, and, and that's fine. The the other thing that I would add to that, of course, is particularly for the, the higher end uh, or uh, higher level uh, employees that perhaps training them to get used to being in front of a television camera with a reporter in their hands. How do you handle it not to be uncomfortable with it and how to deal with it because not necessarily will you have a let's call it an ambush interview but somebody might show up and ask you that uh, question some question after uh, an event you where you are and you need to be comfortable with being able to handle that situation absolutely and you know i also think that um there are a lot of ceos and top leaders on the board um, physicians also fall into this category, as do members of Congress, especially new members of Congress or new members of the state legislature. Um, and they think that they have been media trained and that they don't need the training. And the best way to get around that is to um, have a, sort of an impromptu interview with them, and you can record it on your camera phone or a little flip cam or whatever and play it back to them. Because once they see it, they realize, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm not as prepared as I thought I was. And then they're all ears to listen to your training tips and to really go through the training and to absorb it and focus on it and become really good spokespeople. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of chuckling as you say that because that was exactly what happened. We have a client, as a matter of fact, it was at the airport where the CEO, we had him to talk about something basic. It probably didn't take any more than a minute. And he says, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. I've got this, you know, fine. And I'm saying to some other folks, let's write it down anyway. Uh, so in the event that he does drop the ball, we're prepared. He can read the script. And sure enough, after giving him two or three takes, we just brought out the script, uh, put it up there in front of him. And uh, he agreed that uh, <laughs> he would not do that the next time. So people think that they can do more than they can do in, in situations they're not uh, used to performing in. I know, and I can tell you my own funny story. So I had a pipe burst in my house a couple of years ago, and I train people to do this for a living, right? So uh, the local ABC affiliate in D.C. called me and said, can we come to your house? Because you know, it was an extremely cold snap in D.C. We're looking for people to tape. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then I'm realizing as I'm you know, preparing for this interview in my home that – I really better knock it out of the park because my clients could clearly see this, the clients that I had in D.C. So um, I did come up, uh, I don't know how, with a pissy quote that was used on air, and it was fine. But, you know, even I had an issue going through it. You know, you think you're prepared, but those cameras come into your house with the lights and everything, and all of a sudden you're not as prepared as you thought you might be. Mm -hmm. Well, Come to think about the, when you when we talked about the, a, a little bit perhaps of competition and maybe you would like to find some way to get some competitive advantage in, in your messaging. Uh, is there a way that uh, people should consider putting something like that together? Um, I think that's helpful. And that, I would say that that would be maybe a sub-message unless you're – 
um, known for a specific differential that you could weave into a main message. To me, those sub-messages deal with products and services that you might be delivering or that you might have that are different than your competitors. So in, um, in the process of developing those differentials, what I usually do with clients is I sit them down, it's very old-fashioned, but I sit them down and we literally walk through a brainstorming session where we have the whiteboards and we're writing down everything that they think differentiates them from their competitors. And then it's up to me to take that information and wrap it around some messaging. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I think what you want to do in those key messages is tell people why you exist. The why is really, really important. Not necessarily what you do or how you do it, but why you do it. And you can see that with some of the advertising on television. You know, Johnson & Johnson, you think of baby powder. Baby powder is just a small – or baby products. And baby products are a really, really small piece of what J&J produces, but they're pulling on your heartstrings with those baby products. And that's kind of what you want to do when you're creating those key messaging uh, messages. And then when you're creating sub-messaging – then you want to get into how you differentiate yourself from your competitors. Okay. Now, one of the things that we did not talk about, and very briefly, uh, elevator speeches. Everyone says that you should have one of those. How does an elevator speech uh, mesh in with uh, your overall message? Well, I think the elevator speech, that's a really good point, and I do want to talk about that because – I think most people, when they do an elevator speech, so mine would be something like, hi, I'm Sherry Singer, president of Singer Communications. And the problem with that is it doesn't really open up a conversation. When you're using your elevator speech, it should be to open up a conversation. So if I change what I just said to say, hi, I'm Sherry Singer, and I help associations and corporations like yours solve their communications needs, what communication challenges is your organization facing? Now we have a conversation because I've explained who I am and sort of why I do what I do, and now I'm coming back at them and asking them for their input, how can I help you is really what I'm asking. Mm -hmm. And that is a conversation starter. Now, once uh, the company has gone through the process of developing their particular their messaging, how often should they go back and uh, shine it up or redo it or revise it uh, to make it uh, keep it sharp and relevant? Well, I think that it once a year probably is good if you go through like uh, management change or some other kind of big shakeup, some reorganization or something along those lines, then you might want to at that time reevaluate your messaging. And some of the things that I think you need to consider is what you can say to differentiate your organization from others. We just talked about that mm -hmm. a little bit before. Are your messages short? Do they reflect your reality? Are they inspirational? For example, my Johnson & Johnson um, message about the baby products that they focus on, as I mentioned, pulls on your heartstrings, and that's sort of an inspirational message. Are they interesting? Do they sound authentic and genuine? Are you speaking your audience's language? That's something Peter mentioned before. Will they resonate with your stakeholders and your target audiences? So those are some things I think you can ask yourself to get to those really good, strong messaging. 
Well, Sherry, let me say that, uh, you know, you have in the uh, time we've been together provided, I think, some very, very uh, exceptionally good ideas and and techniques on how to go about uh, getting a solid message put together. So do you have any final thoughts that you think the audience uh, should consider? Well, thank you, Peter, first of all, for having me today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I think your messages should help you build your reputation, cut confusion, tell your story. They should be tied to your mission and your values. They should differentiate you from your competitors and help create your brand. And if you have any additional questions, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm at Sherry, S-H-E-R-I, at Singer.com, S-I-N-G-E-R-C-O-M-M dot C-O-M, or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Sherry Singer. And thanks again, Peter, for having me today. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope that the audience gains some insight about messaging. Well, let me say again, thank you. And uh, to our audience, uh, thank you again for listening. And please join us again for the very next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us.